You are now tuned into I Shaved My Ass for This, a podcast about all things dating and desire from the perspective of those on the margins. Here's your host, Natalia Lee Brown. Welcome to the very first episode of I Shaved My Ass for This. I'm your host, Natalia Lee Brown, and I'm so happy to have you here. This is the start of hopefully a very long journey, and if you're tuning into the first episode, you're a real one. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming along for the ride, and I hope you enjoy it. Before I even get into who my guest is or what the topic is this week, I just wanted to take a second to properly introduce myself. I am a 30-something black femme who is a creative and just a person that has a lot of dating experience. I did the calculations not too long ago, and I've been dating for over half my life. And with that length of experience comes a whole breadth of knowledge and just whack occurrences, to be completely honest. Um, I am not a professional therapist or relationship coach or anything like that. I'm just a girl who likes to talk about how people go about securing intimacy and what their dates are like, what their romantic life is like. And that's it. I started this podcast because I got really tired of the popular dating conversations that we come across. I think that we're suffering from something that I like to call the clubhouse to podcast pipeline, where after all those people are done screaming in their phones, they got gassed off of having an audience listen to them. So they went and snagged the nearest microphone and just started spewing their their opinions. And, you know, what's more tantalizing than people's pursuit of love and intimacy, right? So we have so, so many podcasts about that. And what I'm finding is that the podcasts are usually led by men, men of all shades, usually from the ages of 18 to 35. And usually they're saying something about how women should act or what qualifies as somebody who is deserving of your respect and attention. And to be completely honest, I don't like that. (laughs) And a lot of ways that they're describing the rules that they have for dating is not the way in which I see anybody around me acting. So like, am I missing something? Or are they just looking over such a large, large population of people? So I decided to not complain about this. I decided to not get frustrated by this anymore. And I just decided to do I have been so fortunate to have friends and colleagues and acquaintances who have been willing to talk to me for some reason, and we've had really insightful conversations. I think it's important to state from the outset that this is a space that is growth positive, it's sex positive, it's a safe space to acknowledge when you're on some trash sometimes because sometimes you are the drama and Acknowledging these moments is really important for growth and healthier relationships in the future. This is a space that is safe for 
all the people of the alphabet mafia. There is no homophobia. There is no racism, no colorism, no fat phobia, no transphobia. Although all these topics are things that we will discuss in the future. I strive to come to the conversations in humility, openness, um, and just a desire to learn, really, because in each of these conversations, I'm learning something too. And I hope that you're open to learning as well. And so since these conversations sometimes are just a bit hard, you know, the interviews that I've done have required a lot of vulnerability and transparency on the part of the person that I've been interviewing. I thought about it and I was just like, it's not fair to host this podcast and just have everybody spilling their guts while I sit back and just do, you know, the occasional, mm-hmm, crazy, wow. So in an effort to level the playing field at the beginning of each episode, I'll be sharing one of my own stories that has something to do with the topic. Since I have all of this dating experience, if you can call it that, <laughs> mostly um, I would call it heartbreak and disappointment. But there are some shining moments in there and there are moments that are filled with lessons. So I will be vulnerable and then we'll go into a vulnerable conversation. In that spirit, this week we're talking about polyamory. We're just going to get right into it, get into the advanced stuff. Why not? I know that a lot of the girls are polyamorous these days or ethically non-monogamous and it works for some people. For some people it doesn't, but we have a guest on today that is polyamorous and does practice ethical non-monogamy. A person who I love and respect, and they were kind enough to provide their insight. And it got me thinking about the one time that I dipped my toe into the poly world. <laughs> so I'm going to set the scene. I was living in the Bay Area, and things were not going well for me. It was a time in my life where I was just very unsatisfied professionally, personally, romantically. So in an effort to kind of jumpstart my life, I went back to Los Angeles, where I'm from, and really got into work. Really, really, really just put my nose to the ground and try to make something of myself. And... When you're focusing so much energy on work, relationships kind of fall to the wayside. And I found that a lot of the men that I was dating, they really expected some kind of enmeshment, right? Like we, my time is your time. We spend all the time together. We do everything together. And that just wasn't possible for me at that time. My priority was just something else. So I thought about polyamory because the the element of having more than one partner also means that some of the emotional weight and the emotional expectation is spread amongst the parties somewhat evenly, or that was my perception. So I got on an app. I don't know which one. I think it might have been Bumble. Um... And I, you know, do, 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 set my little settings to what I was looking for. And this guy hit me up and he was my type. Like he, he was my type. 
He had these like long dreads. He had some kind of Caribbean ancestry. Um, he was from an island. I can't remember which one, but he hits me up and he's like, hey, you know, I'm here with my girl. We really like your profile. We, you know, think you're cute. Would you be open to having dinner with me? And we could maybe see if we're compatible. And I was like, sure. So the way we set it up was the first date that I had was with him alone. And during this date, you know, it was really clear. I made it really clear that like, I also need to meet your partner without you just to make sure she's down because, you know, sometimes it's one partner's idea and the other partner is just like going along with it and crying themselves to sleep at night. And I don't want to be a part of any of that. So the date is cool. It's cool. He's a cool guy. He um, was involved in some kind of like ancestral sports study and he was looking at the cultural impact of group sports something like that I don't know it was really cool because I'm a girl who could not care any less about sports if sports disappeared tomorrow I I wouldn't even notice it's not even that I wouldn't care I wouldn't even notice so he was teaching me something new and I really enjoy it when I'm out on a date with somebody and they are passionate about something that I know nothing about. Date goes well. I agree to meet his girl and the date with her was just a 180. Like, I don't know if it was my expectations. I don't know if it was the fact that we were just so different Um, But there wasn't that same kind of chemistry. I felt it. She felt it. But it was pleasant. You know, we went to a restaurant. I paid. You know, I felt like Big Daddy. I got the bill. And it was a pleasant time. That's the best way I can describe it. And because it wasn't bad, I was like, okay, you know, don't be so quick to judge go on a date with all three of them and see how the dynamics, see how the vibes are when all three of you are together because you're all three are going to be involved in this relationship. So they invite me over for a meal and you know, I get myself together. I, um, went to the, to the wine store, got a bottle of wine and made my way over to their place. It was this beautiful house. Um, in LA, obviously. And when I entered, I just, I kind of knew that it wasn't for me. When I entered this house, I didn't even have to feel their energy or their dynamic. I just kind of knew it wasn't for me because if there's one thing to know about me is that I am a bitch who likes details, honey. I like details. So when I know that I have a love interest or a lusty interest coming over, I tidy up. I tidy up. I want them to get a good impression. I know that being in a clean space relaxes people. You know, you're not worried about something staining your clothes or sitting in some wet. You can relax. And so that's really important to me. And when I walked in this house, it hadn't been vacuumed. And it's not like I got on my hands and knees and like picked at the fibers of the carpet and found dust. No, that's not what I'm talking about. There was a pet in the house and 
I think it was their roommates or something. I don't know, man. But there was a pet. Love pets, but the all the flooring was carpet. And you could just see little tufts of collected pet hair all over the carpet. But I'm in too deep. I can't turn back now. And what am I going to say? I'm not going to come in because your carpet is dirty like that. No, no. The kids, the guy is cooking food. So I go in and I did not do my due diligence. I didn't know that they didn't really drink like that. So they didn't want any wine. But when the guy brought me a glass for the wine, the cup was like, it was cloudy. It was like a glass cup. It was a glass, a glass cup. It was a glass and it was cloudy. And so I pour in the wine and I'm kind of sipping it, but like, you know, not feeling that great. And then I go to the bathroom and when I enter the bathroom, I'm hit with this moldy smell. And I know that, you know, some construction, if, especially in older houses, if there's a leak or something, there can be a moldy smell. But then I saw what was creating that moldy smell. And there are all these old wash rags, old dirty wash rags because they were stiff and they were gray and they were hanging up on the shower rod. And that what was giving the moldy smell. The bathroom didn't have any soap. And I was like, I can't get naked with these people. What am I going to do after the deed when I have to go to this bathroom and clean myself up? Are they going to hand me one of those rags? Hell no. So I still stay. I, ha- I don't think I had eaten yet. The food wasn't that great. The guy, he like insulted my profession, which is like, all right, fair play. You know, the my profession doesn't have the best rep- reputation, but like, that's how I eat, bro. <laughs> like, have a little bit of respect, like, damn. So the second part of the date, after I ate the food and sipped my wine in the cloudy glass, the second part of the date was a comedy show, which I was like, okay, cool. Comedy show. Yes. And then homegirl drove us and she had one of those cars where there's just shit all over, like junky. And it's not the car model or type. There was just sports shoes, papers, old water bottles. (laughs) And, you know, people in LA, your car is your second home, but like, girl, you know, you're going to be driving. Like, why am I having to move all the detritus down to the other side of the seat? That's not sexy. And there was something about these things for me where I just got it locked in my head. Like, this is never going to work. And when we got to the comedy show, I had started to have a panic attack and it was a lightweight one. Like I wasn't falling out or anything, but I just, you know, my heart rate quickened. I felt kind of dizzy and I knew I need to get out of there. So I was like, guys, I have a headache (laughs) and it's really bad. I have to go. And I just left. And luckily I lived like five, 10 minutes away from where we were. So I just like, started to pound the pavement. I, I walked home 
And yeah, that experience really taught me how much I am sensitive to detail and like how much intentionality really means to me because, you know, cooking a meal, that's fine. I really appreciated that, but it's the whole environment. When I think of romance, it's not just somebody showing up with a box of chocolates. It's the way that somebody hugs you. It's the way that they smell. It's, you know, the, the, the blanket that you lie down on. It's the little things for me. And all of those little things in this situation were just off. That was my one foray into attempting the poly lifestyle. And, yo, who knows? Maybe one day I will try again. But, yeah, it wasn't for me at that time. Shout out to them, though. Hope they're doing all right. So that leads us to our interview. Today, we have my good friend, Amelia Kashiro Hamilton. They are many things which they will tell you about, but... They were also so generous with their time and information and their experiences around polyamory, what led them to the life. It's a really informative interview, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, right now I have a luminescent guest, one of my, <laughs> one of the old homies, um Amelia Kashiro Hamilton is here thank you so much honey thanks for being with us on I shave my ass for this how you doing yes honey Chile I'm good thank you for having me I am so excited to be a part of this media offering um love that you're filling a gap in the dating podcast space and I feel like we've had so many conversations so many so many conversations that should have probably been recorded <laughs> but here we are like, this is this is for public consumption right because not everything we talk about is necessarily for public consumption so this is bite size it's easily digestible um you're a lot of things to a lot of different people but for the people who are listening introduce yourself who are you what do you do what do you get into yeah so uh, my name is amelia and hamilton all lowercase like yeah. the hooks um, I, my pronouns are they, them, excuse my dog barking in the background. Is that chocolate? Um, that's Miss Chocolate. That's Miss Chocolate. Yeah. Honey, Miss Chocolate. She's bossing people around in the backyard. Um, <laughs> yeah, my pronouns are they, them. I am a community facilitator, the founder of Sisters Within Voices, a community safe space that supports uh, cultural producers navigating the arts and entertainment industry by providing knowledge tools and uh, camaraderie, legal documents, and things like that. Um, also, I am a you know artist. I'm a painter um, and also a public practice artist, which Sisters Within Voices is is a public practice uh, space. I'm also a I look this born again. Um, creator i worked as a wardrobe stylist for about 13 years and had an awakening and, and now i don't do that anymore but it it definitely helped carve a lot of the spaces that i create now um, and i work in education i also uh currently work at a uh, navigation center shelter 
Um, and I've just been putting myself into things that fill my heart and are of service to what I believe is the greater good. I also work in food. Um, I've been dabbling in that world and that's been really healing. And, and I don't know, there's something about touching food since I've been on this journey that's been really, it's been bringing me something. So yeah, I'm also karaoke queen. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, do you have any Jamaican in you because of the hats that you wear? Are you a cousin? Because you sound like one of my kin, honey. You came over here and you're like, and I can do that. I can, I can cobble shoes. <laughs> but honestly, though, jokes aside, there's so much that you do and you do it so well. That's how we met in one of the spaces that you offered sisters with invoices which was one of the most and i kid you not well curated welcoming spaces that i've ever been in and that sphere because you know a lot of folks and we talked about this before like they offer up their retreat to the girls and a you know come and heal and all this and the vibes are off so sisters with invoices is, is the exact opposite um Anybody who's out there, please check it out because it is such a worthy and necessary organization. Thank you, friend. I'm so glad it brought us together. Oh my goodness, me too. Um, so as a non-binary person, who do you historically date? Who are you going after? I say I'm greedy. You know, I'm not necessarily tied to one more than the other. I definitely do consider myself sapiosexual. So it, there has to be like an intellectual connection. There has to be some sort of some sort of tie. Um, so yeah, you could be fine as all hell, but if there is something not clicking upstairs, it's just not going to happen, honey. I know we all have those moments where you see somebody and they are just visually they tick all the boxes. You're just like, let me just get a moment of your time, please. So you saunter over, you start to talk and it's just like doo-doo comes out of their mouth when they open their mouth. You're like, <gasps> and then it's something that happens. And it's like this mind eye connection where it's like the face starts to rearrange and you're like, oh, <laughs> never mind. It's yeah. wild. It's wild. It's so wild. And I think it's such a testament to beauty, how beauty comes from the inside and not out and i think you knowing who you are is the, the biggest attractant and maybe maybe people may have you having a hard time meeting or attracting people because they are way too authentically in themselves and they're around the wrong crowds or they're inauthentically themselves but they have everything going on on the outside you know i feel like there's there's always something there <laughs> I'm asking everybody to kind of give me a little story about their most interesting, most ratchet, most bootleg, most what the fuck dating story they have in their arsenal. So do you have a little something you could share? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yes, I do. It's like, but what era, you know? <laughs> you know, well, I guess one thing I'll say. Okay, so there's this one time. So I was like, it was when the apps were new, when the apps were really new. Tinder was out. And I was like, single. I was on the prowl. I had my own place. Like, I was like, I'm out here, you know, like booty, booty shaved. Everything is always ready because I was in my mid twenties trying to be that person, like, but actively forcing it. You know, I was trying to be that girl where I'm like, I want to be a Brooklyn girl, you know, where I like hop out, pop out to some venue and like 
meet somebody and I've never had any issues like being that person in on the East Coast. I feel like the East Coast is fab if you are a black femme or whatever, you know. But there's just something about the west side of Los Angeles from 2009 to 2011, maybe 13, 14 girl. And I've talked to other people who've had that same experience um, of how the West side of Los Angeles really ruined their life. Um, <laughs> it wasn't for us. It wasn't for us. Cause this was before like 2009, like people were on socials. Right. But there wasn't this message of like melanin is beautiful. We all get together. We all come and create. So it was like a bunch of us in mainstream white parties playing the role of you know or being in the scene as it wasn't there wasn't the camaraderie and it wasn't even that long ago it's so sad it wasn't that long ago but on the west side honey it wasn't no Mm -mm. no it was a night it was a it was a nightmare to be dating um so there's this moment I was on tinder I was like uncomfortable about it but I was like I just I'm out here I'm single I want to have fun I'm living on this side of town, what what's out there? So I matched with this guy. He was pretty like mediocre white guy. And he's like, hey, let's meet. Of all places, he asked me to meet him at Worst Kush or you know what I'm talking about? It's like a bratwurst. <laughs> oh my I should have known better. You want to date a man who is going to take you to a $5 beer night and then listen to like, uh, what's that? Oh Hootie and the Blowfish? Basically, basically. And they're like, oh, there's, there's bratwurst with pineapple in it or some shit. You're like, wow. Wow, this is great. I'm at Worst Coochie or whatever you call this place. <laughs> so, okay, I'm setting the scene. It's giving uh, stone ground mustard. It's giving German wieners. I show up because I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try this out. Is this what online dating is? Mind you, this is like when Tinder first came out. And I show up. He does not pay for my drink. He buys a beer and I buy my own beer. And then I was like, yeah, I'm... what am I I doing? Like I had, I started having an existential crisis in myself. Like, wow. I already was like ready to exit stage left at this point. And we walk outside and I'm walking to catch my Uber because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go home. Like he kind of walks me to where my Uber is and he's like, Hey, so um, I live right here. Uh, Do you want to come up? He wanted, he wanted to get undressed without even making sure you were, you were satiated that without even making sure you weren't dehydrated. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And that was a hard no. It was a hard no. And I was just like, wow, does like you actually had the nerve to ask me to come up to your place after I'm dehydrated. I it was dry, the driest time I've ever had in my life. And I like, I started like laughing in his face and I was like, absolutely not. And I got into my car. That's when I realized I needed to work on my self-esteem. Like, I like something but what did the kids me. say? It was a canon event because there are moments in dating where you look around and you ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm me. What's going on? I need to, I need to listen to some Yamla. I need to 
to say some affirmations because look I need to crack that queen of Fua book open. It was really giving, <laughs> like, I literally had a deep self-reflection moment after that. Like, how did I even get there? Why did I do that? Am I that desperate to just be desired and seen that that is what I would subject myself to? Like, it literally changed my life. Like, you know, I think his name was Brett. So like, shout out to Brett. And what kills me about that is that I think when somebody does something like that to you, that's a rinse and repeat. You you pick that place on purpose because it's right by your your crib. You pull the same game over and over and over again. And it I'm sure that it works for some people. I think that's really what was appalling to me. It was like, wow, this probably has actually worked. And that's a damn shame. <laughs> it is. It is. The art of courtship. I mean, you know, people do court, but I think especially in like hetero dating, and I've been thinking about this a lot, it caused a lot of men to like not have a North Star. And instead of being like, let me tap into, you know, what this person who I'm out with might like or getting to know, they're like, fuck it. I got ten dollars. You know, <laughs> I let me go to the place around the corner from my house because let me tell you something. That has happened to myself and almost everybody I knew. You get yourself together and you trot off to your date only just to be met with the biggest disappointment. And yeah, it changes you. So shout, I don't, yeah, shout out to Brett. <laughs> It really does change you. And I feel like we've all had those experiences and like, you know, they're not, they're not just like linear. Like, I think that they're worse in the hetero dating world, but they exist in the gay, queer, lesbian dating world as well. Like, I mean, I hear this all the time. Like the, the gay, queer, lesbian dating scene is like really hard. Like the fuck shit exists. I think that no matter what dating is hard. Yes. No matter who you want to date, it's just hard. It's a hard thing. Because it's like you're constantly interviewing for a job that you don't get. (laughs) And there's something kind of masochistic about it, too, because you know that this could cause life-altering amounts of pain, right? You know that this person, especially as a femme-presenting person, you know that this person could kill you. You know that this person could do all sorts of harm to your body, to your psyche. And it's like even with all the accumulated harm that people go through trying to date, you turn that part off when you have a new potential and you get yourself together again with all the hope in the world. It really is this primal desire just to meet somebody and be intimate because why the hell else would we do it? Why would we put ourselves through that? That's the wildest thing. So as you probably know by now, this is my very first episode, first episode ever. And what that means is that I don't have any sponsors. Nobody is paying me for this. Nobody even knows that this exists at the time of this recording. But I do think that having a little commercial break is necessary. And normally during this commercial break, I would provide the people with some kind of link or resource that has to do with the topic being discussed. But today... That doesn't feel right. And so I'm going to use this space as a kind of call to action to the audience, to whoever is listening, to really stand up in the face of the genocide that's occurring in Gaza right now and the other two genocides, which is not getting any coverage, the genocide in 
the Congo and Sudan. And I hope that whoever is listening takes the time to really educate themselves and to get active. Especially when we're seeing just all of this mass murder occurring in real time, it can get very discouraging. But now's the time not to look away. Now's the time to get on the streets, connect with organizations in your neighborhood, connect with people on social media who are actually on the ground and who are bravely reporting all of the atrocities even when some of their own family members have been killed by this current bombardment. Get informed, get locked in, take note of the people in our leadership who are refusing to do anything, who are refusing to call a thing a thing and say that this is genocide. Take note and divest from corporations who are funding the genocide. We have power, we can use this power, and we can also stand with our Palestinian neighbors and support them during this awful, awful bleak time. And so instead of division, I encourage everyone to unify and to put our leadership's feet over the fire and call for an immediate ceasefire. You touched on like the gay and... Uh, lesbian dating scene tell me a little bit about your experiences dating as a non-binary person um dating cis men cis women people in between yeah I will say I'm a new baby gay I had to take a moment of reset and recalibration after having sex with cis hetero identifying men that were made me realize that like there's something about this that's just really not working for me and I need to be more intentional about having more gay experiences having more lesbian experiences because one of the things that I noticed about myself was that I was going for who was coming to me and was attracted to me and I was giving my too much power to these people who sought after me and I noticed and thought about my patterns and the things that were going on in terms of like who I was seeing. And I was, it was always about me being sought after. So I'm like, well, what does it look like if I seek the thing, if I set this intention and if I just like detox from this energy, because I was feeling exhausted by dating men. Um, I think that a lot of them are incubuses that jump from one feminine energy to another. Um, Most of them, at least the ones that I was seeing, they had no problem attracting a divine femme or somebody with a lot of light and they leave feeling energized and leave you feeling tired and don't take any time to really deal with what's going on inside of themselves because there's always an abundance of women or femmes out there that are really willing and ready to jump on the train. And I was just like, I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm not that desperate to be with somebody that I'm just going to let somebody take a ride for free. And I also just started to think about my intentions in the future. Right. Right. Um, I do want somebody I can build with. I do want to have these experiences and I really wanted to see what it was like to finally like be out and proud about wanting to be in relationship to to women um and so yeah that's something that happened like later in my life i'm 39 
So I would say that I really started being more intentional about it about three years ago. I was setting the, the scene for it really like five years ago because I started going celibate, right? So I was like going through these periods of like intermittent celibacy. And I did get in a relationship with someone who is cis male identifying, but he was he was very like kind of queer and feminine and like it was a pleasant experience. Like I didn't leave that experience feeling tired and it wasn't something that it just kind of happened. So I'm just always letting spirit bring what is coming my way. But what I will say is that I'm also poly and I've been reading and being really intentional about understanding what that looks like, talking to people, being investigative, being really curious, um, educating myself. And so I started dating somebody last year who was poly, who's been poly. Um, they're, you know, a woman, a femme identifying mask person. And we had a good run. We had a really good run. But, you know, I ended it a few weeks ago. And I noticed that it doesn't matter if you're dating a, a femme or a mask identifying person, a cisgender male or a cisgender female, whatever. It's all about communication. And I think that what I'm noticing in the poly world is that poly people are using polyamory as an excuse to be frivolous. Totally. But the thing that I find people who really embody and espouse poly language without really living the tenants, if you can't sustain a one-on-one -on -one relationship in a way that's healthy and respectful, what makes you think that then you have the tools to have multiple healthy partnerships, right? Because even in polydynamics, there still is a concept of betrayal. There still is a concept of responsibility. There still are all these same concepts that you have in one-on-one -on -one dynamics, but you have an agreement and an understanding and a trust to set the parameters as you see fit, right? But I think that a lot of people, they think, well, I just want to fuck on all these bitches and there's this thing called polyamory. Are you with it or are you not? And all these weird kind of cult adjacent social media groups where you see this man and he has all these women living in like a two bedroom apartment or some shit. You're just like, oh my God, like this isn't, uh, all, ladies, you're better off on your own. Oh my God. Yes. So I hear you with that. I, you have to, you have to be healthy enough for relationships, period, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Everything you said, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And you're so right. You have to be healthy enough for relationships, period. And what do relationships look like when the people who are participating in the relationships are really focused on healthy communication, trust, um, transparency, and an ability to really carve and figure out what is going on within with an understanding that healing is a perpetual like it's never ending and that we have a responsibility to ourselves to heal and then i think also two relationships can build and bring healing but i don't think that it all needs to ride on one single person i don't think one person can or should be everything to everybody and um and i think our relationships don't have to be sexual and intimate they can be platonic yeah. we've all had this experience and i i can't stand it when you're friends with somebody and they start a family or they get in a relationship and they go into a couple bubble 
you don't hear from them until they're single again or until something's going wrong, you know? And it's like, there's a polycule element to that too, of like, how do you just maintain relationships in your life? I don't know. I think a poly mindset is actually, if done properly in the way that it should be done, it requires a lot of energy, a lot of intention, a lot of work. But I think it's something that crosses the boundaries of how we do business how we work work in community, how we interact with our friendships, our family, um, because these are all relationships that we manage, right? right. Um, and when you're with polyamory, it's like, oh, how can I love and be loved, accept love from multiple people and know that I'm allowed to accept love from more than one person and then also give love to more than one person and like do things in a way that consider the heart space of the people that you quote unquote love. Right. And what I was finding in this last situation that I was in was that there were things happening that I felt were sheepish and somewhat cowardly, you know? And I think you can't be poly and be cowardly. You can't be poly and be sheepish. You can't be poly and be avoidant. Because none of that works. None of that even makes sense. Like, especially when it comes to sharing bodies and sharing that space. And so it's like, I don't know what this terminology is because I feel like we have these terms and like sections that blanket like a whole entire ethos, this idea of being poly. And then you have like non-hierarchical poly or anarchy, you know, like, which I understand non-hierarchical poly and I, I respect it because- I think sometimes people can abuse poly or use poly as an excuse to try to bring in a third and then that third or fourth person just has like zero say or power. And it's almost like they become pawns for the the couple, the the you know, the hierarchy to play with. And I I feel like I've been called into those spaces. Like I had a couple ask me out on a date when I was in Alaska. Um, and one thing that made me where I was like, okay, I'm kind of open to this. They were like, we want to take you on a date. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cute. You know, she was cute. The, the man is never really that cute. One thing that made me feel uncomfortable about it and I didn't really move into it was he was doing all the talking. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was doing all the talking. He was the one that was like leading the charge and she wasn't really saying that much, you know, I could tell she was like clearly interested in me. And to me, I'm just like, ah, this just feels like some sort of a like weird, like leveraging negotiation. And it doesn't really feel like I'm I'm like getting to know who both of you are or feeling safe by both of you. And there's already a power dynamic here that like I'm, I would be going into if I was to start dating you both. And I think just off top, it was, clear to me that that existed. I'm curious, you mentioned poly mindset. Could you, how do you right. define poly mindset? And like, how was this couple in your introduction to them? Were they lacking poly mindset? Or was it just kind of a different form of polyamory that like you weren't really down with? I think a good poly mindset is, is, um, is like transparency. Um, I think it's understanding time and place i think it's so much of it is about consent there's a big theme that has come up at least in my life and i think also that comes up in other poly situations that i've like heard or listened to or been an ear to about consent you know that can look like a number of things but giving somebody the allowance 
to perhaps disagree with you or to feel some type of way or maybe have some things that come up and, and the ability to process versus the, uh, withholding in order to get the outcome that that, that person desires. It, like, it's like a manipulation, I think. So nobody should be manipulating anybody to get a, a desired outcome. The outcome is subjective between the, the participating parties. You know, you, you might hear no in the beginning, but it might be a yes later. You know, I don't know, you know, but there needs to be space for communication um, and processing. And I think that I will say some red flags that came up is uh, anybody who doesn't have space or time to process or communicate, or they can't really hold into the idea of hurting you or being hurt. If, if you don't have the wherewithal for feeling, mm. it's probably not the best thing for you to do because people's feelings are swirling all over the place. You know, there are times where I'd be like, I feel jealous right now. Right. I said that. I was like, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna know about that? <laughs> you know? um, yes, call it out. I mean, but also the space for feelings, but also the self-awareness to identify what it is that you're feeling. It's this volley back and forth where you have the maturity to be like, I'm jealous and I want you to know about it. Like, and then they have to have the room and the maturity on their end to be like, all right, that's normal. Yeah. Like, okay. Like dish it. What are you feeling? Okay. What could I have done better? Or, you know, I did everything I could and I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Like just having a discourse. Um, I also think to people who are new poly, please don't let anybody who is old poly make you think that what you feel is invalid. Mm. I've noticed that people who have been poly for a long time, maybe, you know, they're operating on a donut, you know, maybe they're driving back the car and they have a donut and they're missing a hubcap and they're like, no, this is the way that I do it. You know, you're going to have to do it this way. And it's like, no, if there's something inside of you that is coming up that it doesn't feel like right, it doesn't sit with you, believe it. You don't have to like adjust yourself because somebody's doing something in a way that they say is the way because they've been doing it for so long and the people that they do it with are cool with. Right. I I felt like that was an experience that came up for me where I was just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Maybe the your other partners are okay with that, but I feel like you should be transparent with me about if you slept with somebody before you sleep with me right I want to be able to say okay I know that you did this and that you haven't been tested and that I agree to do it not you do this thing and you tell me you've been tested and I don't know what happened but you don't share what happened between the time you told me you got tested and we do a thing and then I psychically know that you did something and I'm like, cause psychically like all these things always come up for me. Like anybody who wants to be in a relationship or any, any partnership with me. And let me tell you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, your lies are not going to slide. Like something is going to PSA. All right. Hear ye, hear ye. I mean, they know hear ye. <laughs> what you do. I mean, they know my ancestors work hard and they will tell me everything. Right. I swear to you, every single time that somebody has not been honest with me, I heard a voice in my ear that was like, no girl, ask this. 
And every single time it was no fail. I got the answer. And if we all listen closely enough, a lot of times we already have the answer. And then we try to go around in circles with somebody who's not telling us the truth. No, you know, you don't need them to tell you, you know, <laughs> yeah, are you a crazy, you know? <laughs> A little earlier, you mentioned um, as you made the transition from dating cis men to just being more fully sapiosexual, you were tired of waiting to be approached. And I feel as though a lot of AFAB um, assigned female at birth people are reared with the concept that you let men come to you, right? And a lot of women and femmes are kind of in this waiting stage, like bumble aside, just kind of as you get older and, you know, the guy comes and he buys you a drink or, you know, you're constantly waiting to be approached and you are approached by a lot of people who aren't necessarily for you. But my question for you is, how did you kind of move away from that training? And also, how do you deal with like the not even the rejection like the fear of the rejection I think stops a lot of women and femmes from even stepping out Mm, I love that question um the first thing I'll say is like think about the hunter and the gatherer mentality right I no longer wanted to be gathered (laughs) like I wanted to understand that I can move in this world without asking for permission but asking for forgiveness And when I started to take agency into the fact that, you know what, Amelia, there are a lot of misconnections that you could have probably acted on, but you didn't act on them because they were not explicitly in your face, buying you a drink, saying you hot baby girl, whatever, like boom, 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 you know? Um, And I really started to think about the idea that people who are, and and this is no shade because I think it's, it's like the person that, the last person I was seeing, like there was a, mutual connection you know um and that mutual connections do exist and that i can trust my instinct to act on them and i don't need to wait or have a misconnection because the person didn't ask for my number in that moment now how i do it is i feel something and i know it and i know it because i know that feeling and i like that feeling and i've been actively reaching out to people who i feel something with, I really like your energy and I, I would love to get to know you better. And I'm not putting any kind of like sexual preference or any pretense on it. I'm just like, I see you as a human being and I want to get to know you better. And it's, it's working. (laughs) I mean, it's working. Like, it's interesting because I, there's a person I was seeing and they were like, well, how do you deal with people who like, you're seeing me and how do you deal with people who, who are asking you for your number or who want to see you like who wants to get to know you better what how do you deal with that and i was like well why not look at it like everyone's looking for love everyone's looking for something like why would i fault anybody for that you know anyone who asked me for my number or who is interested in me i'm like thank you thank you for seeing that potential that you may see me as somebody who's lovable or fuckable or whateverable but I either feel something back or I don't, but I'm not going to, you know, everyone should be shooting their shot. You just really never know, you know? So I think though, I want to be a hunter 
I'm, I, I want to look at it like I can hunt and I can be cognizant and aware and have agency about the relationships that I want to build around me. And I don't know, I think that there's something cool about having that kind of agency for bringing in and calling in. And I don't want to say curating because I, I don't want to say that about human beings, but like curate your own show, like curate, like this person is smart and beautiful and it has a nice spirit. I'm you, I would love to be your friend. And this person has these qualities that I can grow from. And like, I'm just looking at it like in that way. And if something romantic happens, that's fab. But I think everything has to be rooted in friendship. So it's like, could I be your friend? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think a lot of people can um, benefit from hearing that. I think we're going to wrap it up, but I wanted to kind of give you the last word. Is there anything that the the audience should know or any advice, any dating advice that you have for people, people on the prowl, people out there getting their heart broken? What do you, what do you think they should know? Um, I think you could find somebody you don't have to shave your ass for. Find somebody that loves you, hairy and maybe a little a little stinky, a little bit of the crust in your eyes at times. Find acceptance in the bareness of yourself, people who accept you in that. And I think it's a surefire way to spark genuine connections where you know that you can be loved and you deserve to be loved without any masking. Hairy legs, hairy armpits, whatever that serves you. And in the ways that you feel beautiful, I, I think everyone appreciates the shaved ass. But if you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that. And you can still get it. So <laughs> I, hope, I hope you know that. Universal message. And as we established at the top of this discussion, you have a lot going on. So if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me. Um, I am Hood Marie Kondo on instagram and tiktok uh that's a testament to my belief that organization is a spiritual practice um since i am a a jamaican adjacent i didn't get a chance to share that is one of my offerings and services is helping people get organized i organize artist studios and homes and i also just kind of have this like philosophy uh, around internal organization and external organization so um you can find me on those in those ways, um, my website is ameliancasherohamilton.com and then Sisters with Invoices. You can follow, like, and subscribe on Instagram, Sisters with Invoices. And then also um, my creative partner, Justice Singleton, and I have a podcast called Imposter Syndrome Survivors Club. And we talk about, you know, it's not you that's fucked up, it's the world, you know? So if you're feeling like you're grappling with those internal demons that live in all of us, like, just know we're here to exercise them. And you can listen to um, our offerings on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts. And yeah, well, Sisters with Voices on Instagram as well. Thank you so much again for your time, for your insight. And yeah, appreciate you to the moon and back. So... There you have it, the first episode in the books. 
First and foremost, thank you so much to my guest today, Amelia Kashiro Hamilton. It was an absolute pleasure, an absolute honor to have you as my very first ever guest. And thanks to you, the listener. You know, this took me, this has been a journey for me even to get to this point. And I was even going to come on here and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I know that the sound quality isn't right and all this stuff. But no, I'm not apologizing. Like, fuck that, you know, because I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of this little space that I'm creating. And instead of being ashamed that everything isn't perfect at this point, I'm going to invite you to come along on the ride with me. You know, there will be a point in time in the future at some point. I don't know when that is, but there's going to be a point where things are sounding correct, everything is on 10. And for those of you that are here on day one, you'll be able to look back and be like, yo, growth, <laughs> you know, growth. So instead of apologizing, come along on this journey with me. And I will be back here next Thursday, same time. And if you want to follow along with the conversations, if you want to get a preview of next week's topic or sometime in the future, I'll be calling on the audience to send me voice notes and share their I shave my ass for this moment. So I am on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the handle I shave my ass for this. And also subscribe, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. I will appreciate any subscriptions. And I look forward to meeting you back here next week. Until then, be safe, be kind, and be you.